It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast, where today we shall entrox the cube. Uh, we're, we're going even more off, off teeter-tottering from the twilight zone, teeter-tottering a little from one step beyond with uh, Jim Henson's The Cube, not the movie The Cube, uh, but something entirely different that shall get into more detail in a minute with the trivia. But this is Matt here. Uh, when I did this, I was like, I have to invite Andrew for this. Hi, Andrew. Hi, thank you. You went in on pre-Muppets, yeah? Yeah, well, I guess absolutely. By side. And then and then when I said, I'm doing the cue, Mark was like, you have to invite me too. So we Hello. invited Mark to Muppet and Cube fan here. Are you more of a, a cubey Muppet or a Muppety Cube? I think I'm, we'll get into it. I think I'm more of a fan of the Muppets. This actually have really upset me this viewing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. We'll get into yeah. it then. Yeah. So uh let me just jump straight on in. I'll do a little bit of the trivia on this. Uh the cube only aired twice, once on February 23rd, 1969, and again on February 21st, 1971. It was part of an anthology show called NBC Experiment and Television, which ran from 1967 to 1971 this was directed by jim henson of course he'd go full muppet in the 70s but during the 60s henson made several efforts as an experimental film director this being a fruit of those labors he had previously directed youth 68 for nbc experiment and television the previous year the teleplay is by jerry jewell who would later be the main writer for the muppet show and fraggle rock he appears in this episode as a pipe-smoking partygoer. Richard Shaw played the man in the cube. His career consisted mostly of recurring roles on sitcoms, including Rhoda, Phyllis, The Bob Newhart Show, and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. For the latter two, he'd appear in multiple roles, one of which was Chuckles the Clown. Chuckles will come and visit you in your nightmares, I suppose. That's what I assume. Muppety Man... Jerry Nelson appears as a monk. He was best known for puppeteering the Count from Sesame Street and also played such Muppets as Sergeant Floyd Pepper, Dr. Julian Strangepork, Robin the Frog, Crazy Harry, Lou Zealand, and Emmett Otter. And Mr. Snuffleupagus, he did a lot. We can keep going with, with Jerry Nelson if we want to there. So, yeah. Um, real quick, what, what do you guys think is the creepiest clown? Who is the, the right? creepiest clown? Yeah. Like of, of any clown? Yeah. Probably Bozo. Okay. Mark, creepiest clown? John Wayne Gacy. Oh, well, he just, did, he wasn't a clown <laughs> himself. He just painted the clowns. We, you mean, well, we have the two spectrums of the answer, the, the everyone's favorite clown and the clown who killed people. Okay. I was going to choose the one on, on 50s uh, corn plate boxes. I just wanted to make sure that we encompassed all clowns. 
Okay, we get the whole clown spectrum. Yes, um, all clowns. So unlike the Twilight Zone, unlike One Step Beyond, the Cube has no prologue as the man in the Cube just starts talking from the get-go. So uh, in New Zealand of that, we've uh, decided Andrew is going to make up. Oh. Uh, he's drying his teeth now. He's going to make up a Rod Serling uh, prologue for this on the spot. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know if his teeth are dry enough yet, but uh, I'll stop talking and see what happens. Okay, let's try it. Hey, this is this is Rod R. Dog Serling. One character in search of an exit, stuck in a ring full of people that won't let him masturbate. Can he get out? We don't know how he got in, so probably not. His destination, a hallway in the Twilight Zone. Okay. Nice. That that. You see, yeah, you seem to be pushing the novelty <laughs> edge, but maybe that's because you're thinking of what to say. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. That's you, pretty hard. Pretty hard you, job. You, you didn't you didn't hear how you said room, I think. <laughs> 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 it, it had like eight syllables, so it was great. <laughs> it was intelligible. Um so Mark and I, I guess, saw, and Andrew did, but not, but Mark and I were there at the same time uh, when they had that Muppet or Jim Henson exhibition in Atlanta, what, 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. You, and Atlanta you can watch History Center. Okay, thank you. Yes. Uh, you can watch all of Timepiece, but, and they had like, what, one minute of this playing somewhere? Yeah. It was just a short, short bit of it. Yeah. And that apparently stoked you to go watch the whole thing before YouTube was really up and running. I believe YouTube was up and running. That was like the, because you were living back here after getting married, so that would have been like 2009 or 2010. Is that when like YouTube videos couldn't be longer, like 15 minutes though? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I I found it online somewhere. Right, right. It may right, have been okay. on myspleen, myspleen.com or something like that, like one of those cool torrent sites. But Right, okay. So you, you went out and immediately I fetched it. it. Where I mm-hmm. didn't see the whole thing until like this year. I was reading the Jim Henson biography and I was talking. I was like, you know, like when we were at the museum, it was like, ah, I'd be a lot of trouble to get it. But, uh, you know, you're reading a book now and you're like, hey, it's probably on YouTube. And it is. I didn't know that you hadn't seen it because Video Library had it. Oh, okay. No, I, I hadn't seen it except for the one minute at the Atlanta History Center. So. Yeah, it had both of the episodes, uh, the Youth 68 and this. Okay. Um, but not... Uh, not timepiece. So when when did you first have a glance at this one? I saw it, yeah. Um guess that was probably ninety-eight, ninety-nine. And then um I saw Youth Sixty Eight at the same time. And then um it showed up on YouTube, I don't know, less than ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just kind of, you know, didn't like get on my radar for a while, I guess. You know, things mm-hmm. drifting out of your radar. I mean, when you think Henson, this isn't the first thing you think of. Uh, no. Although yeah. I, I think it's definitely one of the cooler things he made. It's just not, you know, you, there's no puppets. Um. Well, to <laughs> me, this definitely foreshadows the, um, what was the the hybrid show he did that was the last thing where half of it was Muppets on a space station and half of it was like... The Jim Henson show? The Storyteller thing? Was that what it's called? Yeah, it's just the Jim Henson hour, Jim Henson show, something yeah, like no, that. Yeah, no, Storyteller was was all, like, new stuff. There were no Muppets in that. Well, I mean, there it, was, it was puppets, same. right? Both of those, oh, yeah, definitely. Both of those segments 
I think the space Muppets in space thing were had a definite claustrophobia to it that this reminds me of. If that makes any sense, it was definitely sort of a that that show was sort of dark in a way that this reminds me of. Both both halves really. Yeah, I I can see that, and actually, um, that show is supposed to be more along the lines of a this experiment television thing where it would have been a complete episode of the storyteller and then a complete episode of something whack Muppets. And I, I think they're like, no, you have to put it all on the same show like every week. So mm-hmm. it kind of, kind of broke the show. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it lasted very long. No, no. Like less than a season. I think, I mean, mm-hmm. th- yeah, it doesn't have so many episodes, but hey, you could almost slot the sinners one. If you were like having a review, well, that's 20 years later. So yeah, maybe not. Maybe. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Mark, you said this this viewing scarred you this time. Probably, yeah, for a lot of reasons. Hospital, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I was in a hospital for a week recovering from pancreatitis and not able to sleep a lot of that time. So I was definitely sort of. There was a time when I was convinced I was in a different room, even though I'd been in the same room, because I just was hallucinating from not sleeping enough. But, and you know, obviously can't leave. Um. But also the pandemic and also just whatever the crushing mediocrity of middle age too. <laughs> this definitely reminded me of that too. So is this about the crushing mediocrity of middle age to you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it is. It really is. The guy's kind of a kind of a schlubby and then everybody's no one takes him seriously or listens to him, even though he's obviously used to being listened to and taken seriously. But you could definitely take that as a metaphor for getting just a little bit older where people aren't super hot for you anymore <laughs> for, for a lack of a better term he doesn't seem to know who he is yeah i mean that that for that's me that's true one he of does more... have to find that out but you know it, yeah, for it, me that's one of the more interesting like that. that's one of the more interesting things here that like if he was like hey i'm a even in a twilight zone, he'd probably be, they'd probably make it clear. He's like a, um, you know, a salary man or an ad ad man or something, you know, probably an ad man. That makes he'd like sense. He'd like to see ad, anyone in advertising suffer. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, <laughs> oh, especially <laughs> for by good reason. 1969. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Hey, we wouldn't have the cookie monster if he didn't do ads. That was, he was first in. No, IBM. I was talking about Rod Serling. Oh, right. Uh, Jim Henson, too, though. He was probably tired of ads by 1969. <laughs> well, making them, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I guess for a lot of creatives, you know, uh, advertising is just like, I mean, of course you can make a creative ad, but the general push of advertising is the least creative thing possible, you know? Yeah. So, but this this is just a cipher, right? So, I don't know. Yeah. Does that mean you get, can you paint yourself on this guy a little bit? Is that why? Maybe, maybe Mark, you're doing that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, a little bit. I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that's also a modern problems thing where right now there's a definite like several breaks in the uh, what would you call it? Supply chain isn't the right word. There are staffing problems everywhere. So if you want, if you need to get something done and you need to go somewhere and get some help, then it's like 50 50. You're not going to get listened to if that makes sense you know it's like i like the time i brought my car to the dealership and they lied to me saying that they were looking at it for like two weeks and basically just kept it for a month oh my god 
I mean, yeah, that that happens to a lot of people. That's happening to a lot of people right now, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, Japan's a different thing where I am. I don't. I mean, we we are getting yeah. more and more understaffed because everyone's getting like super old, right? I think. Uh, yeah. I think that a quarter of the population is now. I think it's one on uh, ten people are over eighty now <laughs> in Japan. But but there's also a cultural thing where in Japan we've in America we work ourselves to death until we can't be bothered to care anymore and japan you sort of a cultural thing where you give it your best i guess until you die <laughs> or something <laughs> like that i don't think that's i don't think either is specifically healthy but i have noticed in the past few years especially going by construction sites where all the construction workers look like they're over 80 and that's kind of weird <laughs> hmm. a bunch of very well, old I mean, men doing construction work <laughs> and they're probably in great shape though Oh yeah, they must be in good shape because they're doing that, right? So, <laughs> but um, and then this instead of having just random people, I mean, he has the the um, repairman guy or whatever come in, but they pretty much go straight to his his total recall family, right? So it's straight out like, yeah, this guy really doesn't know who he is because you're like, is this his real family? And he he doesn't know who they are, or or you know, he doesn't seem to know anything about having a family. So family's a new concept to him. <laughs> That's also scary. That could be a metaphor for dementia if you want to go there, you know. This could absolutely just be dementia. Mm-mm-mm. That could be the case. I don't know. Yeah, so the guy says he'll get him anything. I guess it's a good time to ask for some hard drugs. Do the, do hard drugs in your cube if you have nothing else to do. Well, then you just, like, <laughs> shoot strawberry jam in your arm. you be like, ah. Well, he squirts <laughs> ink into his face. So that's true. <laughs> so like, so interestingly, I'm, I kind of almost feel like this is more upsetting than the movie, the cube to me now. And I need to rewatch that. Oh, cube um, is excellent. Cube. And the sequel is also, and they just did a, 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 a Japanese remake also of the original cube. Huh. That sounds like a good idea. Actually. Mm-hmm. I, I've well, only seen it once and it was like very, you know, 98 or whenever it came out. Yeah, on video. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's one of the great sci-fi, like, or bottle horror, if you want to call it that. Um, like you know, Primer, or any of those type mm, yeah. movies where you're basically in one setting for a long time. But yeah, it was interesting because I was like, the Japanese remade cubes. Like, oh right, it wasn't a Japanese movie that the Americans remade for once. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Canadian movie by made by a man with an Italian name. Yeah, so it's uh no, that's a that's always a great one to rewatch. Hell yeah, I love Splice. I mean, I've I've watched Splice a bunch of times. Splice that's is that's a awesome. favorite. Yeah, yeah. I kind of prefer like because you know the the movie is kind of like you know chopping people up a bit, right? Where this one is purely like weird psychological Kafka stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's I, a diff- completely different thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I def like I find for me, like this is this is my preference. And um the first time watching it, it was definitely like this is you know, Jerry Jules the writer. It's all Muppet dialogue in this, just without punchlines or Muppets. It's funny. <laughs> what one of them really reminded me of Miss Piggy. I can't I think it was the first woman who came into his room. I was like, This is Miss Piggy. Except not not hitting people. His fake wife? Yeah, I guess it was his fake wife. Okay, I, it's hard to keep track of everyone. Because later the blonde comes in and then turns into a demon, right? So that's different. That was different. Yeah. Well, there was also the one woman who like wanted to like get him on the couch and get him smashed, and you know, 
maybe fool around a little bit. He wasn't he wasn't thinking about that at all, which that was weird to me because if you're stuck in a room and the the fine lady walks in and's like, "Hey, here's a couch. Come sit with me." You're like, "Is there a way to lock the cube for the next like couple of hours?" You know? No, there's <laughs> not. That's the worst. Uh. Yeah, that was the worst to me. I was like, man, by the time I get two shoes off, somebody's gonna walk in. I'm like, yo, please, just if you're gonna, if I have to stay here, I'm staying here with her. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's probably already broken down at that point to where he's just, <laughs> okay, um, I don't know. I was surprised that he kissed her. I'm like, and it was a crappy yeah. kiss too, because you could tell she was like, I know she was acting, and I love that little that thing where it's like oh you lost the coin toss or whatever drawing straws a bit like yeah i mean that would have been an interesting few minutes if he would have just stopped like refusing her advances my my note here is almost sex is so clinical in the cube so <laughs> <laughs> i i guess that's that's it another yeah. yeah another thing i find interesting is within like eight minutes of this he stops trying to get out <laughs> Like there's a few times where there's a wide open door and he he's like, oh, it's someone else's door. I mean, he doesn't even bother after the first two people, you know? Like he's well, not a regular person now. would be like knocking people out and jumping out the door. But, uh, you know, what was really out there? Yeah. I mean, I, the, maybe uh, the gorillas get you every time. I don't know. I left the, you could tell one of those gorillas with Jim Henson, like this <laughs> voice, you could so tell it was him. Sound like Rolf, the Rolf, the gorilla. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was that was the thing I completely forgot about and caught me totally off guard. Just the gorillas. That was certainly yeah. the most Muppet Show moment of this thing. Oh <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. Well, what was the Muppet rules? If you don't know how it's going to end, something explodes or something eats something else. Yeah, of course it wasn't <laughs> quite quite the ending there. So um, no, no. You see no. the ending about halfway through when he shows you the ending on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'll say what Mark mentioned about the existential stuff um, made me think about, you know, at this point in Henson's career, uh, he was thinking he was going to have like two lanes for himself. He would do the puppet stuff and have his commercial success. And then he would also be an experimental filmmaker, which I I would think by around 69, having done um, uh, Youth 68 and then... Um, time what was it called time piece uh, yeah, time 65 piece. i think yeah so he considered himself to be an experimental filmmaker and so he was going to travel in both of these lanes and uh god there was some weird story did you say you just read the a book or a that, book about him yeah am i right. right about this that those guys were going around new york and just like filming random crap and their idea was to have like a nightclub or a disco and have 16 movie projectors showing all their footage at once and like some immersive thing this was while they were doing some of the early muppet like i think this movie might have came out or been made around the same time where they came up with big bird as a character yeah so, it was called I like mean, this Christ salus or something like that yeah that that was Oof. a plan <laughs> all right well so i'm not wrong about remembering that so yeah he he thought he was going to be doing both but you know the Muppets ended up blowing up and I can't even say where you might see some of this in other things. I mean, I know that Labyrinth had that Escher, massive MC Escher influence. One of my favorite rappers, by the way. Mm -hmm. I would, <laughs> I would say by 
Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. That's basically hints and like tying both lanes together. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're a little I mean, more, well, I, they're a little more conventionally narrative than say this, but well, they God, everything could be considered experimental that he did because nobody was there was no precedent for what he was making, right? I mean, yeah, even uh, the Muppet Show is technically experimental, you know. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah. maybe he just maybe he did. Experimental filmmaking is something I I care a lot about, but it's also sort of like. It's you say you're an experimental filmmaker and then you're an experimental filmmaker. It's sort of like noise rock where it's like you you have the entire world open to you and you can do a bunch of like Sam Raimi was experimental, was highly experimental filmmaker when he made something that is basically, you know, Evil Dead, which is basically more of a. What most people would consider like a foundational horror movie, you don't usually get the camera work in the conversation. You sort of have to watch it to get that. Yeah, so. I think it's uh, it's usually to people's benefit when someone, no matter how experimental they are, just sort of picks a thing that they can focus on that will emotionally connect with people. Like, I, I think The Muppet Show, if The Muppet Show hadn't happened, then this would be a way different conversation. Oh, definitely, because he would he would have he would continue to have his, you know, Sesame Street stuff. And that was his uh thing for families and then uh also his weird experimental shit where he could have somebody put a gun to their head you know or yeah. or things like that or bleed well, he strawberry jam yeah he might have been more like phil tippett where it's like people find out about him after they really read a bunch of stuff and they, he's not right. the household name but uh, matt you saw mad god right actually i haven't seen it yet i've been kind of afraid to watch it yo if if uh if you can see it on the big screen, do it. I mean, that is a that is just a masterpiece. It's mad. It no, just, I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It it premiered on uh, Shutter on streaming, but then mm -hmm. uh, Cine showed it. And you want to talk about experimental? I mean, this is a movie. It took him like what was it? Something like thirty, 30 years, years to make. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and it is all kinds of like anarchic ideology i mean it's yeah. it's just it's I, it's incredible i like, i know it's a lot that's why i've been kind of hesitating yeah. watching it um but even the um experimental nbc thing was like kind of had trouble identifying itself because it was and on one hand it was wanting to be sort of like the twilight zone of the 70s or six late 60s as it were you know have that style where somebody comes in and does what would be considered like maybe psychedelic or to appeal to that that sort of uh, audience to but the also they youngsters. had yeah but then they had documentaries too and jim henson was really like he really did know what was up um he wasn't like a latecomer or trying to appeal to people he didn't understand he was in those scenes and circles in like the vill in you know the village when he was there in new york well this is uh here's my confession i'd seen this before a couple of times i thought this was just a short film i didn't even know what nbc experiment television was until i looked this up on imdb i didn't know <laughs> that existed i'm embarrassed because it seems like something i would really be into well, it's no, definitely something that ended up under the rug. It, it, you know, it's not like yeah. there's like a DVD set for this, or it, I mean, yeah, people don't I really talk about it. I Thirty-two seen episodes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even with the um, yeah, it's kind of like the Twilight Zone of the late '60s. Huh? I got Night Gallery too, so. 
No, I meant that that was what NBC was trying to do because you're talking about CBS with Night Gallery. Oh, right, right, right. But, but okay. I'm, I'm looking at these episodes on IMDb and a lot of these episodes are not rated at all, which is very odd. Yeah, again, this is this is a pretty obscure thing. The only reason this one is probably readily available on YouTube is is the, the Henson thing. So, yeah. Huh. Interesting. But, I, I mean, mean I, I don't know. if he had if he had chased these with like a feature film, you know, like an art house feature film, I guess that would have made a very different track where he still might be talking about him, but in kind of a different context, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, did did y'all think when you were watching it, like, who would you cast from the Muppets in Sesame Street <laughs> if this was an all puppet production? I mean, Kermit would have to be in the cube. That That's or, that, yeah. Or maybe like there's a you know, a regular, like a human, because they always acted with humans for the most part. You know, if it was like Dom DeLuise as the man or Steve Martin or somebody like that, or Richard Pryor. The, the helper you... would be... No, a... actually, it, it would have to be a white person because then the black guy coming in and getting pissed at him. <laughs> <laughs> you make me sick. <laughs> that was great. The, the maintenance man would have to be, uh, is, it, is it Bodegard, the, the janitor? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that would be the uh, maintenance guy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, uh, of course, the guitar thing that would just be you know Doctor Teeth and crew coming in. So yeah, um, yeah. again, a lot of this is, is tight, Muppety dialogue. Hmm? That song is tight, by the way. The oh yeah, you could definitely cool. see them doing that song. Yeah, it is <laughs> yeah. a little more funkadelic by the late seventies, you know. <laughs> and then uh, Sam the Eagle at the at the front at the desk at the end. You think Sam? See, I, yeah. Well, then who would have been the, the who would have been the cops that come in then? Um. I don't know, rats. Yeah, could be okay. Right. Maybe yeah. that doesn't work. Well, they were kind of like, <laughs> of... like with those what, what about the pigs and space pigs? Yeah, could yeah. Be. sure. Yeah, they already got uniforms. Yeah. The guy, the doctor at the end would be Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, of course. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there, there was another doctor too at one point comes in and takes his blood pressure and stuff, or was that the same guy? I don't know. Somebody should remake it with puppets. Oh, Muppets. That would be rad. <laughs> yeah. That, that actually would be key. very, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Disney notoriously has no clue what to do with the Muppets, right? So <laughs> just do that. Well, do Muppets would, Cube. <laughs> yeah. It would help if they didn't hire pieces of shit to like show run the Muppet stuff. So that would be a good start. But was the most know? recent Muppet show good? Did that Electric happen? Mayhem? Yeah. I didn't see it. It's run by Adam Goldberg. Like the Goldberg shit. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I don't know. Sorry. I don't I don't always keep up. Yeah, you know, the last one uh, I saw was a the terrible other. terrible decision, but it's I <laughs> yeah. like it, but it's a Goldberg. It feels like a Goldberg. Like you know that show the Goldberg. I mean, it's just it has that same Yeah, there's some things he just doesn't know what to do with. Yeah, the last one yeah, I, I saw was like uh, the, uh, Haunted Mansion. I liked that. Yeah, I liked mm -hmm. that. That was good. Uh, I, I didn't really I, like the office thing that they did because it to me it didn't work. This tried to make all them up. It's kind of unlikable. Which that was the that was some talk about piece of shit. People yeah, I was writing it. it. They they were they were no good. But the, despite itself, some of those were funny. Like it, I don't. I'm worked. not one of these people that holds the Muppets in this like you know nice glossy case where you know there can't be adult humor in there and i think you know jim henson obviously 
um, was interested in traveling in lanes that definitely were not for children in terms of his work. Well, so, yeah, for me, I guess the, the failing of that show, and I, I didn't see much of it at all, to be honest, because I didn't like the vibe. But, you know, I think the Muppets are just like tired and stuff where you feel like, no, no, the Muppets are, are pretty energetic and trying to do what, you know, things and just failing miserably, which can include adult huh. humor. Right. So we're yeah, not failing miserably, for... bar barely succeeding. Let's say it that way. That's that's yeah, more of the it was Muppet made vibe. for. It was made for adults who um, grew up with the Muppets and, you know, they, so they, they, they knew that children weren't going to be interested in it or watch. But the thing is, they made assumptions about the adults and that they wanted to see that. It seems that most adults want the Muppets to stay exactly the way they were and not change. Well, it's just is... that was a cynical thing where it was. Uh... Ah, sorry. Not Mark's it's a cynical thing. My fault. Uh, a cynical thing where they just took another format and copied it where the original Muppet show, there wasn't a show like that. Right. No. I mean, I, not that I'm aware of, mm -mm. like you didn't get the uh, behind the scenes and, and the performance. And also part of why that worked is because regardless of how you look at those characters, like Kermit or Kermit or electro fart, Kermit or electro fart <laughs> or any of those favorites. There was a certain level of confidence in that show. Every every Muppet had this like confidence, professional confidence that propelled the whole thing. And you kind of need that, I think. I think you need the Muppets to not be sad or pathetic. Well, you know I, what I, I mean? think there's yeah, I think there's room in the world for various interpretations of these Muppets that I what one of the things I love about Cube is the Cube rather is that um you know the it's so deliberately weird and so uh, deliberately like experimental in the sense that it uh, recognizes itself as being a TV show at one point. And uh, I love there's a scene where somebody comments on, oh, it's it's when he meets the other guy that's escaped his own cube. And uh, he's he's like, I stopped writing on my thumbnails because they tore my thumbnails out. And then uh, when that guy is revealed as just being an actor, he was like, that was really awful. Like. Do we need that? You know, he's like commenting <laughs> yeah. on the fact that that was going too far with the whole thumbnails coming out. And I, I totally agree I with know. him. It was too far. Yeah. Okay. And and um, that's why I like kind of the stuff that Brian Henson has done, which is, you know, he he's he's into um, puppetry for different audiences, you know, and so he can make uh, whatever this he's got some show that's not filmed, but just performed. That's apparently completely filthy. And then, um, you know, obviously the happy time murders, which, uh, you know, I was all right. compared to, yeah, compared to the feebles, which finally got mentioned yeah. in the electric mayhem, by the way, huh. Weird. y'all are, aren't watching it. I can tell you that oh. electric Mayhem <laughs> does mention having met the feebles when That's Peter weird. Jackson is one of the guest stars in it. <laughs> huh. <laughs> well, the, the, yeah, like you'd mentioned Andrew about this, referencing itself being a television show like there was a lot one of the most interesting takeaways i had from that jim henson exhibit we saw years ago was all the design choices he made specifically for television like there's a lot of things you don't pick up on like uh directly but the way the muppets eyes are oriented specifically for the smaller tv screen that they're supposed to always look like they're looking at you yeah. I, I think that's the thrust of it but but it was like a big thing where Jim Henson was specifically captivated by the television format when, you know, when he was growing up, that wasn't, that was a very new 
Well, yeah, the things. salmon friend stuff is just literally like them, you know, hanging from the rafters and, and puppeteering because whatever is off the shot doesn't matter, right? Well, and you can yeah. tell that in a similar way, Henson and Jerry Jewell were fascinated with the videotape and that new whole new medium. And so, I mean, a lot of Cube takes advantage of things that that were only available to, on that budgetary level in the videotape format. You know, it uses a lot of uh, what was like would be, I guess we would call it green screen or whatever. Um, Chroma where, key you know, at they, this they point. Break, <laughs> yeah, they break a they break a hole in the wall, and there's you know all that weird background, and then there's times when you can tell the main actor is just in front of the screen and they bring in something behind him just for a shot. Like when everybody kind of fades into the party, um, there's a few shots like that. Um, when the one woman leaves and it's traffic outside. So um, <laughs> I think part of, part of their inspiration for some of this must've been, cause you know, you, you would just go, Oh, they were getting really high and they came up with this shit. But <laughs> I think part of it is what can we do? How can we push this medium? Cause that's a question Henson asked with everything that he did, uh, mostly puppetry, how can we push it forward? And so um, I just think the the technology itself informed a lot of what's in uh, the cube. I guess that's you inherent know. in an experimental film. You know, the narrative is inspired by the uh, the technical stuff you're doing. Yeah. And vice or just, versa. Hey, let's see, let's see what we, let's just show some, some weird shit and that people like weird shit will watch it. And I'm sure there were kids that saw the cube when it was aired those two times and just like thought they dreamed it, you know, that's a lot of the IMDB comments were like, <laughs> I knew it. My brother and I saw this. I knew I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it only aired twice and people didn't have, you know, VCR recorders yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing yeah. speaking of um, uh the dark crystal um you know my grandfather worked for american theater supply when i was a kid and so um we got to see often um, movies before they were out at the uh, american theater supply um, screening rooms where the owners of atlanta area theaters would come in and watch to see what they were getting ready to buy for their theaters and so yeah we saw dark crystal early and I went to school and started describing it to people and everyone, this was elementary school, everyone just told me I was making it up and that I was a liar. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, man, yeah, that's something I go back to a lot is that um, when someone told me about the guy getting hit by the car in RoboCop with toxic waste, I thought they were making that up. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I wish. Because <laughs> it sounds like something is made up. Yeah, that disturbed me to no end. When, uh, Matt Walker and I saw that together in the theater, and I yeah. just, I was so disturbed by that. Even when I got it on videotape, I would fast forward through that part. Like, that messed me up. So, so disturbing. Oh, I love that part. Play. Uh, I, no, I, I, I'm always notorious just love for it, um, Eventually. I, I, I oh. the, the thing I always fast forward through is just the, uh, the first face hugger coming out in Alien. Is that right? Doesn't bug me in other movies. Alien Covenant. Don't I? I don't when he's hey go look and go look in the egg. And uh, Alien Covenant. It doesn't bother me. It's you know it's basically the same thing. But I mean, something about the timing. Because Alien Covenant isn't scary. Well, yeah, but yeah, there's just something about the timing and maybe the the uh, yeah that I don't I can never anticipate the face hugger coming out. <laughs> yeah, no mm. kids. Kids now call it a jump scare, which is actually just rewording for the word surprise. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I shouldn't keep saying that I love surprises. 
<laughs> no, it's oh. it's fine. Uh, just you know, what type of surprise? I think in the horror context, it would be a jump scare. Well, but, I always yeah. look away for, and this is a throwback, fingernail removal. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> the thumbnail oh thing god. was too far for me. Oh my god! Yeah, we have a whole that, movie that... about that. Oh god! <laughs> yeah, the, um, fire walk with me. That beginning of that pretty rough. And it's so weird where the line. Oh yeah, it is so weird where the line is because like yeah, this guy's an actor. He's just he was just pretending to be that. Of course, the other guy's an actor too. So you know where where do you draw your line in the narrative? Would have been too. What what if everybody just broke character and they had like a coffee break? Would, would I mean that would have fit? Yep. <laughs> they take a step yeah. outside the cube, have their coffee break, and then he gets back in the cube and he's stuck again. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I. That's what's neat about that, and you know, I um. You know, I'm I'm kind of in two different lanes. I have my professional lane, which is journalism, and then I have my um, personal lane, which is I mean, it's a it's a version of experimental filming, I guess. We're not we were never so ex- inspired by the technology in in a, in a way that we were like dreaming up things to do. It was more of just like, hey, I can make these now. It's not just for people that are rich. I can make this stuff now that was more of where the technology inspiration came from, but no, I'm about to do one. Uh, and these aren't my concepts anymore. I'm just usually the one to help carry it out. Uh, they're doing a washer and dryer that, um, just spit clothes out at these people. And, um, the, uh, the gag reel is going to be in the movie. Like literally when they blow a take, it's going to stay in the movie and then have a, a jump edit to where the movie continues. Right. <laughs> I've never done it before, but I think it's a great idea other than just having the gag reel tacked on at the end as outtakes. We're just going to roll with it. That's the Stephen Chow thing. Like I, he had this, I guess he had this thought that like Jackie Chan always puts a gag reel in it. The almost every early Stephen Chow movie has a take where people just crack up and it it just goes Mm -hmm. back to the film. Yeah. Have you, have you heard about Jason Schwartzman's J roll? No. Apparently, Jason Schwartzman, as an actor, at the end of takes, he'll just start improvising and saying crazy shit, and uh, <laughs> like until they finally tell him to stop. And that's called the J roll. And and all the directors that work with him, um, kind of like know about it because he apparently does it all the time. So you know, they're like, "Oh, you left in the J roll," like for you know certain movies. <laughs> oh, weird. Like, like if he's saying some weird non sequitur, um that that might be why they just like left in like him improvising at the end yeah i don't think i would be able to tell when that started and stopped and stuff like asteroid city you know because it's this whole thing is just like babble to me anyways <laughs> right so that probably yeah that movie i think I, that might have been where the point came up like yeah that movie has a lot of j-roll <laughs> i mean it seems like everybody's doing j-roll in that movie <laughs> But, uh, I mean, that's I mean, sort of Anchorman or whatever, right? Like those, those, those type of movies. A lot of oh, the wild lines, massive stuff. tangents. I yeah. do feel like the cube is like it feels improvisational, but because you no, can it, feel, oh, it's not because you can. Yeah. So much of Jerry Jewell's DNA is in it, so that's kind of yeah. a cool thing. It it feels like stream of consciousness and it's being made up as it goes along. But again, with the context of knowing Fraggle Rock and the Muppet show, it's like, no, no, he definitely wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thrill for me has always been with low budget things or exper- experimental things is being in an unsafe space where anything can happen. And 
there's a movie called Elevator Movie uh, that this guy Zeb Harridan sent me in the early 2000s when Gonzarific was a blog, right? People would just mail me their weird stuff that they made and I would write about it. And oftentimes these were the only reviews ever to come out of, of movies because sometimes the movie themselves would never get released. And so there was a lot of kind of forgotten stuff. And Elevator Movie was one of my favorites I ever got. And it was a black and white eight millimeter film about a guy and uh, stuck in an elevator. And so, you know, unlike Cube, where they don't show, like, where does he shit? Where does he piss? You know, where does the food come in? And that's, that's stuff like that. <laughs> elevator movie shows all of this stuff. And uh, it was just filmed in a guy's apartment where they built an elevator inside of an elevator stage. So the only parts that were actually, you know, um, locations were going in and out of the elevator. But, I mean, it's like everything from porn stuff to uh tetsuo the iron man happens in this thing and uh he's he's still on twitter but he's not he hasn't made any other films um hmm. but that was one of the things where i was like watching it going like oh god anything can happen it's exciting i find <laughs> and that's why to me cube is exciting entertainment that's like the best to me the best horror movies make you feel like that i'm i'm not not saying slasher movies aren't fun but it's a lot more fun not not knowing where you're going to me. Oh, yeah, well, the more polished and professional something looks, the more ready for HBO it looks or whatever, the less you're kind of in that, you know, you know, kind of like you know, when people saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're like, did these guys really kill people? <laughs> like, it was this movie was made by a bunch of maniacs, right? I mean, it was a yeah. one of those things where you're like, is this real? You know, like maybe, maybe not fair to single it out, but the, uh, the most recent Stephen King it movie, it felt like every time something scary happened, it just went like, and I I never was surprised by any of it. But you might be surprised at how much it, it ripped off Nightmare on Elm Street, but not you know like part four specifically. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I could see that, but to me it was just badly wanted to make it. Felt just yes so by the numbers that i was i think it was just sort of like i give up on horror movies for a year after that just didn't watch any of them so it's yeah. good i you didn't like buy bottoms. those in the it's good i didn't get those in the in the blu-ray apocalypse a few months ago because they had both parts but i i got mordecai instead so you can judge well, me some, on that <laughs> okay <laughs> some people no, the, like some people like the first one but most people think the first one is better than the second one so i didn't watch the second hmm. The uh, second one's the one that really turns on the Freddy, like it's it badly wants to be one of those '80s Freddy movies. But um, mm. the movie Bottoms, if you haven't seen, oh, is I excellent. Yeah, because it's kind of in a not reality in a way, but you only find that out as shocking shit happens because you think you're looking at a teen comedy, but there, I shouldn't say anything else. Okay, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd the chance on my watch list. it. It's yeah. very on my list. I haven't had theater money this year, but I'm gonna catch all the stuff as oh it God, comes to my Oh God! If I paid for home. everything that I saw, I'd be broke. everything <laughs> you see. Well, that's part of why I'm broke is because my whole life I've been paying for stuff a lot. So <laughs> you know, been paying for it. So what would well, you do with your own Ramadar? Break it. Okay, you're gonna break the Ramadar. Yeah. Instantly, like this guy. Yes. Okay. That would be Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, I like strawberry jam, so Ramadar on some really thick toast sounds good to me. Okay. Or, well, uh, no, a bagel with cream cheese and Ramadar on the top. 
can you, can you do it can you deal with the noise while you, can you enjoy your bagel with all that noise you have to break well, stop the noise destroy it, it it stops the noise doesn't it mm. <laughs> no i so do everyone... it on the wall and ask the band to come in and jam with the ramador <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i want to see the ramadar room what he has a room full of them and what's up with the chocolate rabbit i want a chocolate rabbit sure i'll take a chocolate rabbit no you what want if... like a bit of a chocolate rabbit nobody eats an entire chocolate rabbit and goes that's You're what right. i wanted when I yeah was 12, it's I never did. it's never like good chocolate it's always like that hershey oh. stuff with the extenders or whatever you call it my favorite old meme i don't even know if memes were a thing yet but you remember it's it's happy easter from the one rabbit to the one that's missing its ears and the other one's like what <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's logical it makes sense yeah oh trying to resist saying that the word meme was coined in like 1978 i have no Sorry. Greeting cards basically have been memes our whole lives. Mm. Yeah. It's the far side. Bumper stickers. Yeah. Far side. <laughs> let me let far me side pop. is like the cream of the crop. That's like the best memes that have ever been made and will never be topped. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stephen King wrote the foreword to our memes, so everybody can just suck it. Yeah. <laughs> so let me throw out my questions as not quite as usual. Who in this okay. episode is stuck in the cube? <laughs> I don't know. Who is he? I don't know. That yeah, that's one of the questions. Who is he, right? Is any is he is he really a person? He's just an actor. Is the actor stuck in the cube? What was the first thing they called him? Oh, Ted. I'm gonna call him Ted because that was the first name that someone called him. Okay. I like Man the Cube. His name's Richard. Is it Ted short for Richard? Is that how it works? I don't remember. No. Oh my god, no. dude! That's 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 Theodore. Not a thing. Theodore. That's not... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was. Well, some some nicknames don't make any sense based on the full name. Like Jack Kennedy for John Kennedy, that doesn't make sense. That Jack makes zero for sense. John, no, yeah. none. Mm. Like like uh, Richard Rip Testes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. Uh, so, um, <laughs> is is there anybody in this thing? How about the other people? Are they real? Is anyone real in this? Possibly no one. Yeah. Maybe the only one who's real is the lady who turned into a witch and then left into New York. <laughs> what if she's the only one who's real? Well, let's 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 zoom out uh, a bit from the cube and look at this place uh, that contains um, several cubes, and then but there is also a warehouse, right, where deliveries are made. Ramador Warehouse, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and chocolate so, Rabbit Warehouse. Chocolate Rabbit Warehouse. Yeah. So you got to figure it's, it's are, is there a purpose to study people and conduct experiments or prank people? And because um, it was all, a, they were all saying it was a joke. Uh, or is it or some maybe, weird thing to stoke self actualization when you find your own door? <laughs> Yeah, like like he when he when he comes off of it, uh, they'll tell him that he went there voluntarily, as a middle aged person, um, to uh, have a, some sort of breakthrough. I mean, that's kind of a, a '60s existential psychological terror sort of thing. Uh, the movie Seconds kind of has that going on, right? Oh God, yeah. That's I've totally forgot about that. I haven't seen Seconds in so long. I love that movie. Yeah, I've man. Not seen Seconds. What year is that from? 
66 maybe yeah, yeah. The, the, um, you should watch second sometime i think you can watch yeah. it on youtube that's on youtube in a good print mm-hmm. yeah um uh, this could i mean this could be a metaphor for like scientology or a cult any cult really <laughs> <laughs> yeah a way to break yourself free from um those 1950s constraints you know that was that was the whole generation thing with my parents the idea was to just you know shoehorn your mind out from this you know conservative mindset of you know fall in line and you know do as you're told and do what should be expected of you and you know don't go see what's beyond the edges I guess so, for a modern viewer, you'd start thinking about like an escape room as well. You know, I haven't done an escape room, but I, I guess they're popular these days or something. White people really like them. I, white people, <laughs> um, okay. I, d- I did one at uh, Netherworld, but it was very small. And um, I think we got, I think someone looked up like, or someone knew that the secret to something and it kind of ruined it. Oh, okay. Like this thing where you have to put your hand in the garbage disposal and get a thing out of it. And it was like, it went like, but. I think they should just they should just have a car and you they lock your phone in the car and you have to figure out how to get it out. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, <laughs> this is what I like. I like laser tag. And the thing is, in laser tag, you are escaping me because I'm good at laser tag. So me I don't too, really. Man. Yeah, then. So I don't. Well, if I'm playing against a bunch of eight year olds, like when my daughter has her <laughs> laser tag birthdays, I, I, yeah. I destroy like the first year, I was like, yeah. I'm going to take it easy on them. They're kids, but they destroyed me. So I'm like, next year, it's on. Have you ever <laughs> done the thing on. where you get people afraid of you enough that you can just walk out and walk towards them and then they run from you? Because that's like, <laughs> that's the pinnacle. That's oh my the God. best. You, you like just terminate no run from you. Yeah. I'm doing that just, next year. If she, yeah. if she does laser tag again, I'm totally doing that. <laughs> yeah. People are just like, ah, you're just like walking just in a straight line, not even ducking. Just yeah, like shooting. Kids today, man, they're they ain't afraid. What you shit. do today? I, adults. I terrorize well, children. <laughs> well, I mean, and I guess we should say enjoy it while it lasts, because after if school shootings keep happening like every week, then eventually that's going to not be fun for anyone at all. No, they all know where to hide. Okay, hide from me. I'm no. Let, let I'm not me a school shooter ever. <laughs> Let me put focus on um the man in the cube for if he deserves Sorry, it. Sorry, yeah, not. we derailed like like a bastard. I, I'm terrible. Anyway, <laughs> uh, does the man in the cube deserve his trip? Um, I'm going to say no because it's made clear that he's an actor being paid scale, and it would be nice if he made more. Right. <laughs> 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 it, it doesn't seem like it's helping him. It maybe it seems like it helps him for a minute, but then it doesn't. So. I, there you could argue that maybe there's some version of this where he achieves getting out of the cube after like another few hours or another few years and maybe that's good for him but i don't see any evidence that he is well he's he's never going to get out of the cube they made a song about it that's right yeah we saw the ending and he didn't get out of the ending both times we I think, saw the ending i think the the black guy is, was absolutely right it's it's what he deserves <laughs> Yeah, they say it in the episode. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> what he deserves. You make me sick. It just depends on like what amount, what level of meta you're looking at. Because I'm sitting here talking about the oh. actor. You're talking about the guys yeah. eventually escaping or not. And you're talking yeah. about someone else's judgment on him. So that, that we're talking about three different people, which is well, he one had of the a, reasons he had a moment. Of, you know, you think about 69, 68, 
67 and around, you know, and Henson is showing his personal politics there a little bit by having him come in there and say these white room and, you know, <laughs> it's so short, but it's my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might be dead. Guy, I think that comes I think up the, too. The, the old the guy about, suggests Well, it. that's the thing. I think yeah. it's tossed out more as a red herring or maybe that's almost like the easiest possible uh, explanation. I think it's tossed off to be like, yeah, maybe you're just dead. But also, this is definitely a, still a better afterlife than a lot of <laughs> uh, fictional afterlives that we know of. I mean, I'd rather be yeah. in the cube than be in like hell or something. Bill and Ted's hell. Can you handle that? Uh, maybe. Silky boys. <laughs> Stuff that comes out of the butts of Chinese worms. Uh let's place this on the tripometer. Uh five. Not, yeah. Real. Yeah. I mean that, that this is I, I go straight for the five on this one. There there's like Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I think I was selling it to maybe you guys or maybe talking to other people saying it's kind of like this is like every twilight zone episode like all at once and on one <laughs> set yeah <laughs> it's like, it would be like if they made a twilight zone episode where the entire budget was put into one episode for the season was put into one episode you know what i mean no it's no every like, script every script was put into one episode but the, the budget was the yeah. same <laughs> yeah well yeah i i think i think rod serling probably would see this and be like God damn it! I'm being surpassed by these youngsters. That's not how. That's not how he talks. But anyway, maybe he did. Maybe <laughs> he, he talked talks like that screen. by 1967. Um, well, you got Nike early. That's how. He, after the cameras come off, that's how he, he talks. What you what you hear in the show is just his nerves make him sound different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets. You know. He's he's finally able to drink uh, some coffee, and it loosens up his t- teeth, wets him up, and he has a. Totally and he sounds like Charlton Heston. Uh, I feel better now after this coffee. <laughs> Son Heston of doesn't have any lips. Chris Christopherson <laughs> has no top lip. It's very interesting. The whole lip yeah. situation. Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood lips. There you go. That you chewing that. tobacco or something? Is that why? Hollywood lip. That's a great... I used to see that on Cinemax late at night. <laughs> Would anyone oh. like to throw out a, a final thought on the cube? Well, I I know I said earlier that I found this viewing pretty upsetting. I know that when I watched it when I was younger, I thought it was kind of fun and kind of funny and was like, haha, look at this guy. And now I feel like I am this guy and I don't like it. I I don't like being the guy, <laughs> but I do like the movie. I mean, okay. Show. I don't know. I still find it weirdly fun. It is fun. I mean, I'm not laughing it's, at the guy. I'm just like, he should chill out a little bit and see how that goes, you know? <laughs> like on our other podcast where you're always asking the percentage of dread to fun, like I put this more in dread than fun. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think the existential dread is fun. I mean, it's like, you know, again, that I there's so much of here that just has the texture of a, of, of a Muppets, but just without the punchlines, you know? The, the punchlines yeah. are now existential dread instead. So. Yeah, if it, it wasn't it funny, moving. it'd be like obsolete man or uh, falling down or, you know, one of these white rage, you know, the time is moving without me and I'm I'm no one kind of things. 
there would definitely if it wasn't fun there would definitely be something where he just beat someone to death halfway through it and then then that becomes a problem i guess yeah. or maybe it'd probably be one of the women knowing how men are very <laughs> possible and did you, did you get all your thoughts out yeah okay then then tell us what you're up to i guess this is mid-october i'm, I'm not quite sure to be honest but oh you're, my you're, goodness you're, your shizzle yeah, doesn't man. get on the fry until November anyway, right? Yeah. So um, what I got cooking, the Gonzarific show. This will be our 15th year at our host venue, Cine, on Hancock Avenue in Athens, Georgia. Uh, we'll be showing a, the same program Friday night, November 17th, and again on Saturday night, November the 18th at, now we're on earlier, we're only around 10, 30, 11, something like that. Um, and then we'll be showing as usual on YouTube uh, as a, uh, you know, YouTube premiere or whatever, the Sunday night at 9 p.m. That'll be on the 19th. Um, I also have a book coming out called Everybody's and the tentative release date for that is December the 1st. Um, but as as I am now working on editing um, Zombikini by Cat Wood and um, Holy Foley by Ebony Delight. Um, that's going to take up a lot of time when I should be editing my manuscript. So don't be surprised if everybody's gets pushed to uh, next year. Uh, I, right. I guess I guess Mark just gets bundled hey, in with the, my plug with the is normal one. It's Halloween. Get a twelve foot skeleton and put it in front of your house. I want to see everybody's house the twelve foot skeleton in front of it. Hell yeah! May they all come alive and show us what horror really is. Yeah. What if I get what if I get a fifty foot Spock instead? Is that okay? That's it perfect. Still, it could still be in skeleton form. You have to send me a picture of from very far away from your house. <laughs> you can see it. Yeah. Okay. How many ears does Spock have? Three. Left ear, right ear, and a final front ear. Mm. <laughs> Ouch. <All> okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As for this, it's oral high. It's oral hygiene. What the hell? Because it feels like oral hygiene today, what? doesn't it? <laughs> it's time to podcast. So it's, you know, whatever. It strikes make things weird. We'll get back to the Twilight yep. Zone people. But it's time enough podcast on maybe Twitter, unless I'm paying for it. My phone still says Twitter. My daughter flipped out that my phone still says Twitter. Uh, <laughs> screw X. Um, we're on Patreon at Podcastio Podcastius, where we do lots of podcasts. Uh, Mark just mentioned our podcast 1999, where we're talking about episodes of Space 1999. The, f the fun conceit of that show is that Mark and I don't know much about the show, but so far all of our guests are like experts. So it's like kind of of interesting vibe <laughs> yep. where we make ourselves look stupid every other week. So. And then well, we just sound stupid in the in between weeks. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Fun, damn it. Okay. Come uh, have fun. It's fun. Um, <laughs> Films at Filth. Well, uh, we talk about the top 100, top bottom 100 films on IMDb. Although with the strikes, we're talking about whatever gets our goat, and including like weird off-brand or foreign um, Halloween movies for October. Which Unless the strikes are over by now. Eh, we're going to do October. We got to do 2000 cool. Maniacs. I already invited Andrew. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad Bottom that's 100, happening. also known as most of my movie collection. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't wait. I was saying to Matt, well, I can't wait to educate Luke about like Stone Mountain <laughs> using oh, 2000 Maniacs. He's been educated yeah. about Stone Mountain. We've, we've talked that's about it on several is... podcasts. Yeah. 
talk about racist mountain. <laughs> but yeah, um, I also and also um, you know, I'm excited to do Creepers, aka Phenomena, which is I pulled up as a Jennifer Connolly movie that I mentioned before. You've seen that, right, Andrew? Oh yeah. Oh, the, and you uh, know Argento what? It's movie. got a Muppet connection too, because phenomenon. Do 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 do. do. Phenomena. <laughs> do, 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 do. Bugs. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's what we're doing there. Flesh. Eat flesh eating <laughs> bugs. Okay. If you don't like flesh eating bugs, there's video game podcasts like Luke Loves Pokemon, a Hyrule Field Report about Zelda, and the game game show where gamers game each other about the games. Okay, I'm finished with that. Up, oh, Andrew left the podcast. Well, wait. <laughs> Here's the Jennifer Connelly movie, yo. Career opportunities. Oh. oh, we can. I don't know if we can do that with the strikes, but mm. who remembers the scene right. where she's on like the 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 uh, coin operated horsey? I do not recall. I don't think I've seen that actually. I think Sorry. I saw. That I was think a I... defining moment for me. Okay, <laughs> look it up. Google it. There's gonna be. <laughs> Your your life maybe begin anew. <laughs> right. I'll okay. escape the cube using Jennifer Connelly on a coined off horse. We'll never get out of the cube. If we were stuck in there with her, I wouldn't want to be out of the cube. No, if you were stuck in there with her, she'd be like, "Hi, I'm Hollywood's Jennifer Connelly." When you may like remember me from me such then... films as Once <laughs> Upon a Time in America and um, Noah. <laughs> Then you start no, would, talking to her the Connolly of someone... Requiem for a Dream and all this. It would be the Connolly of anything inventing the Abbots or before. Mm, okay. But then someone would just walk in on you and laugh at you and then stop. And they, Good. Just, striking like, lady. Good. Nothing could stop me. All right. I'm watching the GIF. Footprints lead to the sea of clouds An Iceland's Highland dream out loud Over patch quilts of serpentine Where we awake within the dream I know I knew you all along Forever in the song of songs Wormholes, they link up dimensions And sparrows to many dimension Electric honey grids sail through Said peekaboo to deja vu I know I knew you all along Forever in this song of songs In this sea of clouds In this sea of clouds All of what's real's invisible What's eternal is invincible I know I knew you all along 
forever in this song of songs In this sea of clouds In this sea of clouds In this sea of clouds